Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church, North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Privilege to bring to you a pastor that I believe is going to come and bless us with our final word for 2020. You know, Pastor Billy was supposed to be with us earlier in this year, and due to an emergency, he couldn't be with us. And I thought, you know, we're just going to bring him back in 2021. But then we learned that Pastor Billy and his wife are going to go and launch a church in New York, and they're moving out to New York in just a couple of weeks. So I said, Billy, you got to get out here and help us out and help us end this year on a high note. So I'm so excited to have Pastor Billy Heather with us. He comes to us from Destiny Church, but he is planting an incredible church called Gospel Church. I just love the name, Gospel Church. It's going to be an incredible church. But here's what I'd love for you to do. I want you to set aside every distraction, set aside anything at home that might get in between you and this message. Let's lean in. And hey, come on, let's put our hands together as we receive Pastor Billy at this time. Come and preach to us. Thank you so much. Hey, good morning, everybody watching online in our awesome studio audience here in San Diego. I haven't seen people in 10 months, so this is the first time I'm seeing people. I'm joking. As your pastor said, what an honor and a privilege it is to be at Lighthouse. I love uh, Josh and his wife, Joanna. Don't you love your pastors here at Lighthouse? Can we honor them today? Thankful for your friendship, man. Thankful that once you found out I was planning a church, you were like, I got something to teach you. And uh, I'm here to receive whatever you've got, brother. So thank you so much. It's an awesome church. Um, If you're watching online, you're looking for somewhere to get connected. I just want to say... This place is real, okay? This is real church happening here today. And maybe you've been hurt in the past by church. Maybe you've given up on your faith. Just wanna tell you, there's no better place to ask questions than in the house of God. And so even if you have questions, even if you're still wrestling with some things, uh, these are incredible leaders, incredible pastors here that wanna journey with you. And I just think that is incredible. So one more time, let's make some noise for your awesome pastors here at Lighthouse. Hey, like Josh said, my name's Billy. My wife and I are uh, getting ready to move to West New York to plant a church called Gospel Church. It's been a long, long year, y'all. And uh, we've been thinking and praying about this decision. And I just think it's so cool that I get to come and share a message with that being public knowledge that we are getting ready to do probably one of the most beautiful, scariest, craziest, wildest loveliest things that we've ever done with our life. And uh, it's just great to have friends and family that support you and and back you up. I told Josh, I said, hey, if this thing doesn't work, uh, can I get a job here? (laughs) He was like, ah, it'll work. Don't worry about it. But I'm excited to preach today. If you have your Bible with you, would you open it up now to Mark chapter number six, Mark chapter number six. And so excited to uh, preach the last message of 2020. I don't know about y'all. I'm not ready to ring in the new year. I'm ready to ring out the old year. Somebody say amen. Amen. Yeah. Have you been, you've been alive in 2020, right? It's just been one of those years that we've just been waiting for to end. But what if I told you, I was talking to someone recently and they said, man, I can't wait for 2020 to be over. And and I said, yeah, sounds good. But you better be careful saying that because sometimes God will wait till the last moment to do what you've been praying for this whole time. And I believe today's message is not only going to inspire you to start a new year, uh, but it's going to inspire you to close out this year the right way. 
Did you know that the way you start something, the way you finish something is usually indication of how you'll start something. And if you're ending 2020, just saying, God, get me out of here. I'm done with this year. Uh, next year is, is not gonna go like you think. But if you look back at 2020 and say, it wasn't what I expected, but God, you showed up, you did something and I'm still here and I'm still ready and I'm still believing and I still wanna see a victory and I'm still singing those songs into my life. Uh, 2021 will be the year of the extraordinary. It'll be a year you never saw coming. And I believe it's gonna be something that all of us are gonna look back and be in awe of. Mark chapter six, when you're ready, say, I'm ready. Still need a minute, say minute. Uh, we're gonna start in verse 42 this morning. And uh, Mark chapter six has kind of been a staple passage for me this year. It's, it's often in times of unfamiliarity when you don't know what's happening that you kind of gotta go back to things you know are true. Too often in life when people are uncertain about something, they go back to other places that never gave them certainty in the first place. But when you feel stuck or you feel like you're in the middle of something, it's often the time we need to go back to the words we heard. We need to go back to those songs we sang. We need to go back to that God that said he was with us this whole time. And uh, I'm gonna preach a word today that I think is gonna inspire you, it's gonna equip you. And uh, I think we're gonna have a good time while we do it. Starting in verse 42, Jesus just got done doing this awesome miracle. There's probably 15,000 people, they're all hungry. The Bible says this little boy comes up with a fish, two fish, five loaves. Jesus does this awesome miracle. We pick it up at the tail end in verse 42. It says, and they all ate and were satisfied. Someone say amen to that. Verse 43, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. And it says this, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. When evening had come, the boat was on the sea and he was alone on the land. I want you to catch that. The boat was on the sea and he was alone on the land. So all his boys, all the disciples were together on the sea and he was alone on the land. And it says he saw that they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. I love this right here. Don't miss this. It says he meant to pass by them. Jesus was walking on the water and he meant to go right by these guys. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and they cried out and they saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. I want to title this message uh, this morning, the final message here at Lighthouse of 2020. Uh, I want to title this message, Faith in the Middle. Faith in the Middle. Would you join me just for a moment of prayer uh, as we invite him into the room again. Father, thank you for the privilege, the honor to teach from your word. Lord, I ask uh, wherever people are watching from, they would sense your welcoming presence. That no matter what they've done, where they've come from, I pray that this would not just be one guy speaking to them, but it would be you showing them how much you love them, how much you're for them. Uh, be with us, um, and please, 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 please let coronavirus stay in 2020. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. 2020 has been a crazy year. Yes, you would agree. Yeah, have you gone to the grocery store this year? Yeah, isn't the grocery store wild in 2020? I never thought this day would come. I usually enjoy grocery shopping. Sometimes I'm an overthinker. My wife will tell me to go get cereal and I get into the aisle and I'm like, 
which one. You know what I mean? I'm like, I would rather you just tell me what you want. So in 2020, going to the grocery store has been awesome. I've, I've, I've felt like I'm on a reality show sometimes when I watch these people shopping for groceries. Uh, I was there not too long ago, and uh, it was a long line. Lines always look longer in 2020, don't they? Because there's that six feet in between. And, and there was this woman in front of me. And there was a guy behind me and I was in line and this woman is what I would call, you probably know people like this would be like the mask police. Like these are the people that are making sure your mask is on. If your mask is low, they will tell you, sir, please, please bring your mask up. If you walk into an environment without a mask, they will make sure you know that you are harming somebody by not being here. This is what they live for. This is what it's about. And so she's kind of peering throughout as she's waiting in line. And I got my mask on. I'm masked up. I'm like, hey, how are you? And the guy behind me had his mask down to his chin and so she kind of starts peeking around me and she's looking at the guy and the guy's just looking at her and I'm in the middle of it and she goes excuse me sir and I'm like oh Jesus I hope this doesn't pop off right here in Vons <laughs> excuse me sir can you put your mask up and he said it's not a mask it's a muzzle I said, oh, Jesus. Now, I'm a man of God, but I was about to kind of just get out the way and let them go at it, if you know what I'm saying. But in that one moment, there was one woman who had a, a, a way of thinking that was saying, you should be doing this. And right on the other side of me, there was a guy that was saying, I'm choosing not to do this. Hasn't 2020 kind of felt like this encounter I had in the grocery store? You've got one side that is saying, here's the right way to do things. And then you've got another side that's like, no, this is the way to do things. And I don't know if you felt this way, but as a follower of Jesus, sometimes it feels like I'm just in the middle. And I'm like, I get what you're saying on this side. Like, yeah, that's right. But I also get what they're saying on that side. And like, I love people on this side. Like, I got family on this side. But like, I've also got family on that side. And if you're like me, you don't want to choose sides. Because the church was never supposed to be a place where we choose sides. It's supposed to be a place where we always choose the people. We can't pick a side as the church. We can't say we're only for this kind of person. The church of Jesus Christ is what it is because of that radical, loving, just fear-shattering grace that comes with who he is. So I'm in this, the middle, and I'm like... I want to tell her something, but I want to tell him something. And I just felt all year like I was in the middle. Hasn't 2020 felt like a middle season where it's like back in March, I thought we were going to be wearing masks for like six weeks. I'm like, ah, we're going to wear masks for six weeks and it'll be over. It's Christmas, y'all. We still wearing masks. But there is something to be said about being a Christian and not really being where you want to be but not exactly being where you used to be. See, we're content that God has brought us this far, but there's still something in us that's like, ah, there's still something he could do. The beauty of our faith is we are never satisfied when it comes to God. We, we are content with who he is, but we're always hungry for more. And I think in a year like this, Maybe our church attendance has been frazzled. Maybe seeing our friends at church has been kind of out of, out of whack. But something that God has deepened in us, is, I think, is just knowing him for him. Knowing him as he is and when he comes into our lives. 
Mark chapter 6 is an interesting passage of scripture. As I shared earlier, uh, the context is Jesus has been on the scene and, and he's been doing miracles and he's been doing Jesus stuff. Like everywhere he goes, people take notice. Okay, Jesus shows up on the scene and everybody's like, there's that guy that healed that one girl. You remember that girl? Yeah, Jairus' daughter. Yeah, she was dead and then he brought her back to life. And then that, you, you imagine Jesus coming to a town, people are like, there's the dude that healed Lazarus. You remember Lazzie? He was dead. Jesus brought him out the grave. This is him. This is, this is what's happening. And here's the thing about Jesus. People will always be drawn by what he does. But the people that stay are the ones that discover who he is. Can I say that again? Some people will be drawn to God for what he can do for them. He'll bless your life. He'll give you a future that's filled with hope. And I believe it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But mature faith goes from not just what can God do for me, but who is God to me? Who is he in my life? Mark chapter 6 is a passage where the disciples learned who Jesus is. They don't just see what he does, but they actually see who he is. There's this awesome moment where Jesus lifts up bread and fish and he brings it down and he gives it to his disciples. And he says, guys, I want you to take this bread and fish. I want you to go feed all these people. Now, I would have made a bad disciple in this story. I would have said, Jesus, this is two fish and five loaves. If I go out there, they're going to kill me. Just go take it. You can imagine they take the first fish to a couple and they say, here you go, sir, a little bit. And they eat and they're satisfied and they look down. Oh, more fish. And they go to the next couple. They say, hey, do you want some fish? There's only a little bit left. They eat. Oh, more fish. Okay. After about 10 or 11 times of giving out, these disciples are confident. You know what I'm saying? They're like, hey, you need some fish? Who needs some fish? Take it. Here it comes. You know what I mean? Bam, some bread over there. And, and a lot of people miss this. Jesus didn't do this miracle. Jesus lifted up the bread, he blessed it, and the miracle was done through the hands of the disciples. So Jesus didn't go around and feed everybody. He just blessed it. See, God has blessed something for you, but he's also blessed something for you to give to somebody else. So what what happens is (laughs) the disciples do the miracle, and they're getting confident. And eventually everyone's satisfied. There's leftovers. And the Bible says this in verse 45 immediately he made his disciples get into the boat. There was no time to take pictures. There was no time to sign autographs. There was no time to take credit for what just happened. 2020 has been a crazy year, but don't get stuck in what was because God's about to do something new. And a lot of times we live in past miracles trying to draw something from back then, not knowing that he wants to do something right now. (laughs) So he tells his disciples, get in the boat, go to the other side. And wouldn't you believe it, a storm comes. You you ever been obedient to God and then like, it doesn't go like you planned? I was telling someone about planning a church in in Western New York and they're like, oh, New York City. I'm like, no, no, it's, it's up there by like Toronto. Oh, really? How cold is it over there? It's 15 degrees there today. Y'all know it snows over there, right? And I'm in my prayer closet like, Jesus, you better be speaking because I don't want to go over there and be cold. But Jesus has that way of of telling us to go places where it's not on us to make it happen. He just wants to know, are you willing to go? And if you go, I'll show you something about myself you never saw before. So this, this, this is just a picture of Jesus telling his disciples, I want you to go. They get into the boat, they go to the other side, and wouldn't you believe it, they are stuck in the middle of a storm. What's it like to be stuck in the middle? What's it like to to not not be where you used to be, but kind of know, like, there's still something more. 
for this past year, my wife and I, we've known we've wanted to plant a church and we've told our pastors this whole year that we wanted to plant a church. But for a year, we had to keep that to ourselves and keep plowing and serving and honoring the house that we're in. What's that like to just be waiting for something to happen? I believe it's in middle seasons that God pulls the best out of us. I believe it's when we're not at our destination, but we're still trusting God. That's when he transforms us and makes us more into who we're supposed to be. What if I told you that he hasn't given you what you've been asking for because he hasn't developed inside of you who you're supposed to be? A lot of people have goals. This is what I want. The question should be, who do you want to become when you get what you want? It's no longer about what needs to be about who. Mark chapter 6 is a, is a passage where Jesus doesn't say, here's what I'm doing. Jesus shows up and he says, here's who I am. The story that we're going to unpack in just a few moments here is something that you've probably read before, Jesus walking on water. You've probably heard it before. But tonight I believe um, there are some truths that God wants to show us for us as we close out 2020. I believe that there's three things that in our lives all year we may have been doing these things. But I think 2021 is going to be different. I think we're going to have to do these things in a different way to get different results. And so from Mark chapter 6, there's three things that that the Lord has spoken to me about this year. And uh, I've felt stuck at times. I've felt like nothing was going to change. I've had moments in my life where I'm like, what's the point of this? In 2019, my wife and I moved to L.A. to start pastoring one of the campuses of our church out there. And uh, right around like April, like right after Easter, started having some real issues, like mentally. Now, mental illness runs in my family, bipolarism, schizophrenia, all that stuff goes into my family line and all that. And as a Christian, you're aware of what was, but you're not defined by it. Can I say this real quick? Like, if you have an illness, that does not have to be your identity, okay? Illnesses are real things, but they don't have to be who you are. So, so mental health has always been something I've been working on and thinking about. And in 2019, I had these moments where just, just, just crippling paranoia, just anxiety attacks. I, I went to the ER because I had a panic attack. And I'm like, I need to get an x-ray. And they're like, everything's fine with you. And I was just having all these issues mentally. And I was having these moments where I was praying and I was reading my Bible and I was crying out to God but I still couldn't shake this weight that felt like it was on my chest. What do you do when you go to church and your pastor gives you the scriptures, but in your own life, when you're trying to apply them, nothing happens? Like, what do you do when like, you're like, God, I'm having an anxiety attack. Get me out of this and nothing happens. What's it like to be in the middle? I've learned this. Sometimes God doesn't want to deliver you out of problems until he first develops something inside of you. A lot of people see Jesus like a helicopter. Jesus, I'm drowning. And they think Jesus is just going to come up and just rescue them out of their pain and take them to the land of Skittles and Gatorade flowing and all that stuff. I don't know why I said Gatorade. I just had a craving. I've kind of seen Jesus the opposite way. I no longer see him as a helicopter, someone that rescues me out of my problems. I see him more like an anchor, someone that keeps you where you're at. You know, the Bible says that we have hope like an anchor. An anchor doesn't get you out of anywhere. An anchor keeps you secure while everything else around you is being tossed back and forth. You know when an anchor does its best work is when no one can see it. So you don't have to go around saying, look at my anchor, everybody. No, let your anchor go down and keep you secure where you are. In this place where when you're in the middle, how do you get out of it? 
Maybe you're watching this morning and you're saying, Billy, I feel like I'm in the middle season mentally, physically, emotionally, financially. Maybe you're like, I don't know where I'm going. Well, I think today God wants to assure you you're not alone in that middle season. We all together as the church feel like we're in a middle season. We're like, what's next, God? What's going on? And he's saying, stay at home and watch online. <laughs> okay. I think tonight as we look into Mark chapter 6, I just want to give you three, three words that I think will change the way you follow Jesus next year. Three words that I think will help unpack how important you are to him, uh, but how important he should be to you. So if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down three things uh, about what to do when you're in the middle. What do you do when you feel stuck? Uh, first thing, number one, when you feel stuck in the middle, number one, first thing you have to do is you just have to believe. Real deep, huh? <laughs> People are like, that's it. No, like believe. Now, I've, I've been exploring this thought. I think there's a difference between faith and belief. I think faith is something that we hold on to. It's something we kind of have and we're aware of. Belief, though, is this certainty and it's this knowing that things are going to go that way. I can have faith that a chair is going to hold me up. And I can sit there and say, that faith looks, I got faith in that chair. It looks like it'll hold me up. Belief, though, is when I actually sit down in the chair and I trust that the chair will hold me up. What if in 2020, God wanted to test your belief? He wanted to see, do you believe me? Most people will say, yeah, I believe in God. But belief, my friend, is not a one-time thing. It's not like you just say, I believe in God, and then I don't have to believe anymore. Can I show you? There's actually a passage, Mark chapter 9. There's this dad that is having a son who's demon-possessed. And the son keeps throwing himself into fires. and He's throwing himself into the water. And, and, and Jesus comes up to this guy, and he goes, do, do you believe that I can heal him? And he goes, yeah, 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 for sure. And Jesus says this, Mark 9, verse 23. It says, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Ain't that a great coffee cup scripture? <laughs> all things are possible to him who believes. But this light bill, Jesus, if you don't show up, it's going to be dark in this house. All things are possible to him who memorizes scripture. It doesn't say that. All things are possible to him who believes. And look at the dad's response, verse 24. The father of the child says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. What is Jesus saying? Belief is a perpetual thing. You don't graduate from your salvation. It's not like you get saved and you're like, I believe the gospel, and now I'm getting on to the really deep stuff. No, belief is a perpetual thing. If his mercies are new every morning, our belief ought to feel fresh every morning. Come on. Oh, if his grace is never ending, our belief ought to grow with that grace. I believed him when I was 20, but there's something different about believing at 30. Be going through some things, being in some pain, it strengthens your belief. It purifies your belief. I think when these, when these fishermen get into this Storm, God is trying to show them, I want to take you just from having faith in me, in me to actually believing in me. I want to take you from just knowing all these prophecies about me and hearing what I was going to come and do. And I want to show you how to actually live as if that's true right here and right now. Friends, Christianity is not something just for our Facebook profiles. Christianity is not something just to show people here's what we believe. No, Christianity should be what defines how we see the world. The great C.S. Lewis said, I believe in God like I believe in the sun. And he says, not because I see the sun, but by the sun, I see everything else. And isn't that true about our God? 
I believe in him because through him I'm able to see the rest of the world. I believe in him because I'm able to see finances better through his perspective. I'm able to see calling and purpose better through his perspective. I'm able to actually want to make an impact, not just have influence. Anybody can get influence, but impact is something that he's wanting to do. I want to believe that and I want to walk as if it's true. Question, are you satisfied with your belief? Has 2020 been a year that your belief was stretched? Or was it a year where you just called it Christianity as usual? God has this way of taking us into messes and showing us that it's in those places that belief becomes real. So we have to believe. Someone say believe. Like believe, not just believe what he did, but believe who he is. Like I believe he died on a cross and rose again for me. But do I believe that he still raises people from the dead right now? Like I believe what I read in the book when a preacher tells me. And do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I believe. But what about in real everyday life? Does that belief produce something? So I have to believe. The second thing I have to do when I'm in these middle seasons is not only believe, but I have to belong. Belong. Haven't you missed people this year? (laughs) Some of you are like, no. All the introverts. This is the best year ever. Played Xbox all day. Come on. Uh, I think there's something special to be said about belonging. Um, Look what the Bible says in Mark chapter 6, back in our story, verse 47. It says, when evening came, the boat was on the sea, and he was alone on the land. I want you to see what's happening here. Jesus has separated himself now from the disciples. They are all together in this boat, and he is alone by himself. He goes up on this mountain, and he prays. Okay, side note, the rhythm of Jesus is something we have to learn from. Jesus knew how to do some awesome stuff and then kind of just disappear and say, I just need to recharge. Jesus was not attracted to crowds. He loved crowds, but he often tried to get away from crowds because crowds can be deceitful at times. Crowds can have the appearance of success with no real change. Well, anybody can draw a crowd. Jesus says, I would rather have 12 guys that want to be discipled than 1,500 that just think I'm a good teacher. (laughs) The the values of church change when you start seeing things like through Jesus. It's not just about gathering people and having a crowd. It's about making impact and change and inspiring people. So the disciples are in this boat and they're together. They're in a storm, but they're together. And the text tells us that Jesus is alone on the land. Now, anybody here ever gone out like on a boat, like into the ocean or something like, yes, some of you are nodding. I cannot do the ocean, y'all. I am scared of the ocean. I go out on a boat with somebody. We're trying to go deep sea fishing one time. One of my pastor friends is like, we're gonna go deep sea fishing. And I'm like, sure. Like, what does that mean? He's like, we're gonna go fish in really deep water. I'm acting like I know what to do with a fishing pole. I'm like, oh, for sure, man. Rio wired hook. Let's go. We go out and we're in this uh, real deep part of the ocean and, and everyone's fishing and I'm feeling sick. And like, I'm getting like nauseous. Like, it, that's the thing about the sea. Like, it's always, you never know what you're going to get out there. You know what I mean? Like, it can be calm and easy, but it also could be chaotic and you might die. <laughs> the land is different though. The land is, is, unless you live in SoCal, the land is pretty predictable. You, you know, like when you're on land, it's safe secure. Come on, when you get off a long plane, you're just glad to be on the land. You're just, thank God. I had this one friend, every time we got off the plane, he had to kiss the ground. It was a weird thing. (laughs) Just weird. But you see the differences here, don't you? You see how chaotic the ocean can be, unpredictable. And you see how consistent the land can be. And here's Jesus. 
on the land seeing his guys going through something. Can we stop right there? Because if you're going through something today, you can be assured Jesus sees you. A lot of people think just because God's not speaking, he's not watching. But he, he can see what's happening. So Jesus is up here praying, and he looks out, and he sees his guys in the middle of a storm. And what does he do? He leaves the land and walks out onto the ocean and meets them there. Now, when I get to heaven, I want to watch this on the DVR. <laughs> I believe there's a DVR in heaven. I can't prove it biblically, but I just have a feeling. I want to see Jesus walking on the water. Because a lot of people think it was just like real calm. And he just walked up and was like, what up? No, it was a storm. It was raining. People were afraid to die. Like he's on top of the waves. He's on top of all the chaos. See, the thing that they were worried about, he was on top of. The thing that they might have drowned from, he was on top of. What if your problem is actually his platform? What if what you're going through is just an opportunity for him to say, look how good I still am. David has a psalm in Psalm something where he says, the Lord is on top of the waves. He's on top of the breakers. What is he saying? He's on top of the thing that people are worried about. Jesus is on top of coronavirus. Man, he's on top of this temporary government we got set up. He's on top of all the things that we're worried about. I don't come to Jesus for him to fix my problems. I come to Jesus just to be reminded he's on top of my problems. There are times in life where you just got to be reminded, I belong to something bigger than what I'm just looking at. Like maybe you're watching this alone this morning and you're saying, I feel alone. I don't belong to anything. Why? Well, this is what the church is for. The church is not just so you could say, I'm a member of Lighthouse. No, it's meant to be, I belong to a community that's bigger than myself. Uh, the great Henry Nouwen said this about community. He said, Christian community is the place where we keep the flame of hope alive among us. Community is the place where one of us is doubting, we can kind of push each other and say, no, it's not over yet. He's still doing something. You're going to get through it. I think that's what this moment on the water was for the disciples. They were in a storm but they had to be reminded that they weren't alone. And when you look at the text, it's interesting. It says that Jesus comes to them in the fourth watch of the night and he comes walking on the sea. He, he leaves the comfort of the land and he comes out into the unpredictable, chaotic ocean to try to save his friends. I see the gospel here in just this one story. Because not only did Jesus leave the comfort and security of the land, but for you and I, he left the comfort and security of heaven. And he came out into this chaotic, unpredictable world. We just celebrated his birth a couple days ago. And you know what the gospel of Jesus Christ is? It's God coming to man in man's deepest need. Every other religion says you got to do something to get to him. But Christianity says you're not good enough to get to him. It's impossible. Hmm. I know, I'll come to you. Christianity, do you understand what happens? When God left heaven and came in the manger and came to live and then die, it was a picture of that's how much I love you. You will never be like me, but because I love you, I'll become like you so you can still be like me. There's got to be something inside of us, church, that says no matter where I'm at, I belong to something bigger. When you belong to a family, that's when you get healed. 
That's when you get restored, redeemed. Maybe you're here and you're like, I still got issues. Well, if you're in a connect group or you're in a group of fellow believers, that's where the stuff comes out. You know, some of my friends are here tonight at this recording. And uh, I just, there's been many times in my life where, where you ever have that one friend where they don't tell you what you want to hear. They tell you what you need to hear. You know what I'm saying? Like spinach and teeth kind of friend. Like you got it stuck in there and they're like, hey, you got spinach on your teeth. You know what I mean? I, I've had many people in the room say like, hey, you know you were wrong for that. Or hey, that was a great sermon, but that wasn't even biblical. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've had people in my life that step up and say that. Why? Because I'm a part of something. And belonging means I'm okay with someone telling me what I need to hear. So what do I do when I'm in the middle? I got a belief, find that fresh belief in who he is. I got to belong, belong to something bigger than myself. Belong to something bigger than my isolated way of life. And then thirdly, as I close, uh, we have to become. Third one is become. You know, there's a great gap from believing in Jesus to becoming like Jesus. And I think if we're going to see change in the world, we need less people just saying they believe and more people being willing to become like what they believe. You're tracking with me? I think belief is becoming cheap in the eyes of the world. Belief is, I, I know what he did. I believe in what he did. But when you become, you make a decision that you are willing to do what he did. You're willing to, to go and and go where he tells you to go and listen when he says listen. Speak when he says speak. It's crazy sometimes becoming like Jesus. It's hard. Like to, to form your spirit around him rather than just what works for you. Like that's hard. I was at a Home Depot. We were getting boxes, getting ready to move. And I walked into Home Depot and I had this moment where it's like, you, you can't, you know, y'all you, you, know this feeling. You just like, just the Lord, just something touches you. And I get this overwhelming sense that I'm going to pray for somebody. And so I start shopping for boxes and, you know, I go around, check this one. I go to this aisle, I get this aisle and I start walking to checkout. And I said, well, Lord, I guess not praying for anyone today. I got out of this one. You know, for me, I have OCD sometimes. So when God tells me to speak to somebody and, and share a word with them, I'm always like, ah, what if they think I'm crazy? And so I'm in line, I'm getting ready to check out and there's a guy in front of me. He turns around and he goes, Billy Heather. And I said, hey, bro. And this guy I went to high school with. I haven't seen him in like 10 years. And I go, hey, bro, how are you? We start talking. I go, this is going to sound weird. But when I walked in, God spoke to me and said, I need to pray for somebody. And uh, is there something going on in your life? Falls on the floor, starts crying. He like kneels down and is like just crying. And I just say, hey, the people behind us, you guys can go in front of us. Just laid hands on him. Start praying the power of God. Don't even know what the need is. You ever just blind pray for somebody? Just, Father, just touch him. Do something for him, Lord. Just prayed for him, and he gets up, and, and, and you know, he goes to give me a hug. I'm like, uh, COVID, uh, you know, but, <laughs> but it was this moment where I was like, dang, I believed that God was going to speak to me. Like, I believed when I walked in, like, God, you want, you want me to do something. But there's that weird place from just going, I believe to, okay, I'm going to become and do what you said. I'm calling you to plant a church, Billy. And well, I'm in SoCal. It's great out here. You know what I'm saying? There's that weird place of, okay, I'm going to do it. When you look at the story, I, 
couldn't help but notice how different Mark's account of this is. This happens, I think, three times in the four gospels, Jesus walking on water. Y'all heard in Sunday school, I mean, people that don't even believe in God know this story. Jesus walked on water. It's incredible. Uh, All the writers are a little different though, you know? Like John says that he came walking and as soon as he got into the boat, the storm stopped. That's all he says. Uh, Luke, I don't even think talks about it. I could be wrong, but I don't even think Luke talks about it. Matthew, he, he mixes in Peter. Matthew, it says, Jesus comes walking and Peter goes, Lord, is that you? And he says, yes, it's I, come to me. But what's interesting about Mark's passage is he, he puts this line in here that just really messed me up for a while. It says, Jesus comes walking on the water and, and go back, I think it's verse 49, no, it's verse 48. And it says, and he meant to pass by them. That, that messed me up for a little bit because his guys are in trouble. They're, they're in a storm. God, 2020, don't you see what happened? Don't you see what we've gone through? I've lost friends. I've lost family members. I've been scared. I've gone through anxiety. Maybe you're here, your parents are divorced. Maybe you're here, you don't even know what you're gonna do for a job. Don't you see? And here's Jesus just walking by, just meant to pass by him. You know why? Because he said, go to the other side. So he was doing his part. He was going to meet him there. So he just said, I'm going to walk by. And as he's walking by, they start crying out. They go, it's a ghost. And it's because they misinterpreted who he was. He stops. He says, oh, they think I'm a ghost. I better show them who I am. You ever felt like God was a ghost before? You know what a ghost is? It's like something you you see is kind of there, but like when you reach for them, you don't really know. Like I've had moments this year where I've been like, is that Jesus or is that a ghost? Like I've had moments this year where it's like, yeah, God, I see what you're doing, but are you sure? Jesus comes walking by and he stops and he says, take heart is I. And I think this is a challenge for us as Christians because we get so excited about walking on water that we forget there's people still in our lives that are drowning. Back it up a second. Jesus comes walking on water. He's doing the impossible. Like I know, like coming to church for a year straight, staying committed to your group, reading the one-year Bible, worshiping. That feels like walking on water sometimes. Like, look, God, I'm doing it. I've been set free. I'm no longer. Look what you've done in my life. I'm a Christian. This is awesome. But what good is it to walk on water if the people you care about are going to drown? This, this is where belief becomes becoming. No longer am I content just walking on water. Look at me, man. God touched my life, healed me of cancer, no longer a drug addict, about to go plant a church. This is awesome. It's not about what he saved you from. It's about what he saved you for. Matthew's account is probably where I'll close. Matthew's account is something where we see Peter go from believing to becoming because Jesus says, it is I, take heart. And all the disciples, they were probably like, Nah, even Thomas, of course Thomas. Nah, that's not him. John is probably all sad. He's the youngest. He's crying. I just want to be with Jesus. Judas wants to hold everyone's wallets. He's like, man, just give me the wallets. It'll all be fine. And in the midst of all that kind of back and forth, Peter kind of stands up and he goes, Lord, if it's really you, let me come to you. Like, Lord, if it's really you, let me do what you're doing. Like, Lord, if it's really you, I don't want to just believe, I want to become. 
I want to heal people like you healed people. I want to go after people like you went after people. He says, if it's you, let me come. And Jesus says one word. He says, come. That, what if I told you the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ can be summed up in that one word, come. Yeah, but what about this? Just come. He never told Peter, think. He never told him, evaluate. He never told him, check your influence first. He never said, check your bank account first. He just said, come. And how many of us are not becoming anything because we're checking all of our stuff before we even try? And Jesus is just saying, come. I know your family's broken, come. Come, I know one, no one in your family's graduated college. I know, come, just come, just come. Because when you come, that's when you see who he is. Most people are misinterpreting him because they're not willing to come close enough to him. Jesus does this amazing thing. He comes to them, but then he stops and says, okay, now I'm gonna expect you to come a little bit to me. I love preaching about how God came to us. And like, even when we were good enough, Roman says, when we were still sinning, he died for us. That's messy. I love all that stuff. But if you keep hearing about this God that came to you and this God that showed up for you and this God that died for you, and that never prompts a response, then I think you're seeing a ghost and not seeing a savior. Because when you see a savior, it demands everything from you. When you see him, and you realize like, like I am right in the eyes of God now because of him. But Billy, I've been sinning. Can, can I be so bold to say your sin does not scare God? It's not like God's going, oh, they're sinning. Ugh, that's where grace stops. No friends, because of Jesus, because of his righteousness, because he died a, a death that we deserved, God doesn't see our sin, he sees his son. And when we come in the name of Jesus and we say, I'm broken, but God, because of your son, I'm whole. That's when he sees us for who we are. Ooh, friends. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, come. And the Bible says, so Peter goes over the side of the boat and he walks on the water. He's now doing what Jesus is doing. I don't want to play church anymore. 2021. I don't want to just believe in everything he did. I want to become like him. I want to love like he loved. I want to give like he gave. Is it hard? Absolutely. But when you spend that time looking at him, <laughs> it gives you that strength and that power to realize, wow, he did this for me. Friends, the good news of Jesus is not what you can do for him until it's first about what he's done for you. I tell young people all the time, they come to me, I got a calling from God, I've got a purpose, I wanna preach, I wanna be a missionary, and I wanna do this, and I see them do it, and they start walking on water. And they're doing something their families have never done before. And, and they're like, I'm getting calls from a kid uh, uh, up north at school in North California, Billy, you won't believe the Lord used me, I gave someone a word in the supermarket, it was awesome, and all this stuff, what is he saying? I'm walking on water, look, I'm doing what I never used to be able to do. But the church cannot just be those people that walk on water. They need to be, we need to be those people that, wow, you guys actually stop for the people that can't walk on water. Wow, you guys actually give for the people that have nothing to offer you. Faith in the middle is less about getting out of your situation. 
more about letting God show up in your situation. If you're watching this message this morning and this story that I'm telling you seems different or it sounds different, friends, it's because this is not an ordinary story. This is a story about God and his love for you. For thousands of years, man was trying to please God, offering sacrifices, keeping all the rules, making sure everything was checked off and everything was squeaky clean. And still no amount of effort, no amount of pedigree, doesn't matter how many scriptures they memorized, doesn't matter how many sacrifices they had, it wasn't good enough. No matter how hard we try in our own strength, we can't get out of the middle of that storm. But I've learned this about Jesus. It's less about finding him. And sometimes it's just about letting him find who you really are. You know what 2020 was a year of where he came and found us as we were. You can't fake it in 2020. 2019, you might've been like, all is good, God. 2020, it was like, no, it was real. But think about that of what he's done for us, we'll never be the same. Under the sound of my voice, I believe that uh, someone watching now, you don't want to end this year without really stopping and fixing your eyes on this man. I'm not talking about some guy that's off in the distance. I'm not talking about a God that's kind of real, but we don't know if he's real. I'm not talking about a God that's waiting for you to clean yourself up. I'm talking about somebody that left the security of the land and came out into our mess and said, you're still worth it. Can I tell someone watching today, you're still worth it. And even now, Jesus is stopping for you you know right here, right now, this is that time that you need to say, I'm ready. I'm ready to come and do what he's doing. If you'd like to receive Jesus today, maybe you're here and you're like, Billy, I just need prayer. I could pray for all the problems in the world, but until you know the one that holds all those problems, the one that's on top of those problems, you'll keep spinning those wheels. Can I introduce you to the man from Nazareth? Can I introduce you to the only son? Can I introduce you to a man that knows what it's like to be depressed? A man that knows what it's like to feel burden. A man that knows what it's like to feel anxiety. Bible tells us one time he was so anxious, blood was coming out of him. And you don't think he can connect with you. Can I introduce you to him? The Bible says when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that right then and there, you're saved. Now, let me say this. Doesn't mean, your situ- it does, doesn't mean your situation will change right away. When you say, yes, I want to be a Christian, doesn't mean you're going to open your eyes and problems are going to go away. Uh, but it does mean your perspective towards those problems are going to change. And no longer are they going to stop you from becoming who God's designed you to be. And so if you're watching, would you close your eyes? Everyone across the room, would you join me just for a moment? God, thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, work now. If you'd like to know Jesus today, the Bible says in the book of Romans, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we are saved. And if that's you today and you'd like to make that decision right where you're at, would you just say these words out loud just as a sign of faith? Would you say, dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe that he died for me. 
So I want to live for him. I believe he rose again. So I'm ready to rise again. Thank you for changing me, starting a work in me. Give you my life now. In Jesus' name, amen. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.